Greetings, SE Land. This is Twig, Twig's SE Reflections, episode number 62. I'm going to talk today about the idea of guarding the moment or protecting the present tense. The idea that you, 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 somatic experiencing practitioner, you psychobiologically driven therapist out there in the world who's meeting, meeting with people in your office, one-on-one, session after session, you, you are going to encounter the present tense with people in a unique kind of way that they may or very unlikely may not, or they're unlikely to encounter in their own daily lives. And with that, we need to kind of guard the moment that the thing, that thing comes up, you know, where we have to catch and attend to the thing that happens as it happens. And we need to protect that from the influence and intrusion of other thoughts and expectations. Even our own other thoughts and expectations. We have to have an eye for that thing that should be attended to, and we need to cultivate the capacity to guard and protect the moment and try to increase our client's ability to attend to that that thing, whatever that thing is that needs to be attended to in the moment, in the present tense, and can only can only truly hold and express its real relevancy if it's felt in the moment, if it's appreciated in the moment, if it's attended to as it passes and not as a thought about what had happened in it or of it, but instead was, was noticed as it happened. You, SE practitioner, a guardian of the moment. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that idea, this guarding the moment, protecting the present tense. You know, a beautiful place to think about this and how it happens is to see it or recognize it in daily life, you know, sunsets or particular bird songs that catch your attention. When you see a surfer catch a wave and he or she's going to ride that wave all the way to the end, you know, or when you get a hold of some particularly special food, you put it in your mouth and kind of explodes with flavor and all inside of you, everything else just wants to pause so you can pay exquisite attention to what it is that you're tasting, you know, maybe a romantic moment, another time you just, everything else, the whole world stops, you know, time. It's just like, who cares? And you, you just pay attention to right now. You know, the same thing happens after an upset, you know, um, we fall and we get hurt. Who, who cares? I just want to pay attention to now. This is all I have in me. This is all that I should pay attention to. It'll be over soon. That kind of thing. It's going to be over soon. It's going to be over soon. And everybody else, even myself, everything else, everybody else, just shut up so we can pay attention to this, this sunset that's passing, this food that's never going to be the same exactly like this again, the bird song that's just, oh, that's just the dawn chorus and it's coming and it's almost over. Everybody else just stop talking. These are exquisite moments to recognize the present tense, you know, to not be kind of rushing on to the next thing that could happen or that we thought should happen or our other intention, the idea that we're already supposed to be somewhere else or that we have to figure out some other answer to some other problem. But instead, 
things that are kind of special to call out our attention, pain and pleasure, the the kind of the nuance or the 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 wonder that comes inside of things. You know, it can be pleasurable, it can be unpleasant, but there are these times, both in the daily round and certainly in the life of the planet every day, and in our own lives, that we come into contact with things that just make us hold everything else back so we can pay attention to that thing as it happens. You know, in in the kind of the literature, psychological framing of it that we have nowadays so that we can integrate it as it happens, you know, or just so that we can participate, have a direct participation, just to enjoy the fact that we're actually living, you know. And when it comes to pain, turns out it's pretty much all else you can do is pay attention right now. Well, you know, it's helpful to have others in your life that protect these things, to protect these moments for you. And some folks have had that experience more and others have had that experience less. And when you haven't had a lot of modeling of it, it's a little hard to cultivate it yourself. And yet it can be done. Some people do. It's a thing, though, that if if the, those around you just walk over your experience or walk over those moments of the present tense, it's very hard for you to kind of catch the the vibe or the experience of what that's like to be with your experience as it happens. You know, when when your general conversation is intruded upon, you know, when your general conversation, you know, when your general... You know, when your general conversation is intruded upon by every cell phone that rings, you know, and and even just finishing the banalities of daily life, much less the special things with full attention, when even the basic stuff can't have basic amounts of attention, it's it's pretty lean that we give our full attention to something that seems to strike us as as important, you know, as special maybe precisely because that signal of important and special might not get through the rest of the noise that's going on inside of us and around us. Well, you know, in that way, it's good to think of this as something that we can learn, something that we probably do learn, and something that if we haven't learned it yet, it still might be possible for us to learn. And I remember I remember as a child, I was notoriously bad for intruding on the moment. I, any silence in the space or in a conversation, I would fill it. It was kind of a, I guess it was just a reflex that I had. And I was called out for it on every single occasion that, you know, just too many times. And I never really improved upon that from just being told not to do it. But where I did start to kind of improve upon that was being with people who did it themselves. I had a number of friends who were biologists, naturalists when I was in college. And and when we would go out to go bird watching, I would notice how they attended to the present moment and the, the passing of the birds as they just kind of flickered through the forest in a way that I wasn't really present to being able to do because I was maybe talking. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be what I was doing. And I wouldn't notice all the nuance that they would, that they could then come back and give like an accurate identification of what bird it was. And even though it had just flickered past, they had noticed some 
green in the wing or some kind of signal that told them what that bird was. It was more because they were available to that moment than they, they were just kind of guessing or experts. They were actually seeing the signs inside of that moment precisely because they were kind of attentive to allowing themselves to be more present as it was happening. And I wasn't. But noticing that they had that and I didn't gave me a certain kind of insight into the, oh, I need to work on this. Not just that I had been told so many times that I'm intrusive, but sure enough, I also met some people somewhere along the way, um, mostly when I got into therapy, I would say, a few people who were helping me with this beforehand, but definitely once I got into therapy that both did it and did it with me did it for me, protected my moments for me that came up that started to give me the feeling of what that is like to let that happen. And, you know, I'd had that, of course, before in other ways, but it, it got really clear as I started to hang out with certain somatic therapists. One, Elizabeth Bowles, who's passed now, she was exquisite at this, and she was a little bit more directive. So she would she would tell me at the same time that I was missing it, she'd say, like, you're missing this, just stop just stop and let this happen and just let yourself pay attention to it. And so she would kind of call it out directly. And in the same time frame, I was spending a lot of time with Stephen Hoskins and kind of understudying with him. And he would do the same thing. We would be in a conversation and some feeling state would come up on me and he would simply pause while my feeling state was allowed to get noticed and rather than me talking through my feeling state I would notice his pause and I would kind of pause my own talking let my feeling state move through on itself be paying attention to it as it was happening and then he would just naturally be there to resume the conversation with me in the same way that Elizabeth Bowles would do the same thing with me when I would finally kind of slow down and stop and catch things catch the moment as it was she would kind of be there to participate in the moment rather than kind of what my my people in my upbringing had done which would be to go into the how I can't do that how I should how I should pay attention or I should leave things silent or whatever but rather than scold she would be there to participate so that there was a kind of redirection she was offering and a movement into the present tense that she would then follow as soon as I could catch up with her. And, you know, by now, fortunately, I've learned how to do this myself. And um, that that is a beautiful kind of thing. You know, in fact, it, it was it was in my somatics training when I was learning um, just like somatic style body work, especially neurosomatic integration is right when I learned about the felt sense. And that was with Suresha Hill. And wonderful, wonderful woman, Suresha Hill. And so she was teaching me and introducing me to the felt sense and to paying attention to things as they happen and kind of walking through the mirror, walking through the looking glass, as they sometimes call this kind of thing, where you turn your attention and you notice yourself from the inside rather than your thoughts about yourself. That's one way to think about this, or like your impressions of yourself from outside of yourself. But instead, you bring your attention inside. Essentially, as you notice yourself, you notice yourself. Well, that that led to an awareness that my hiccups that I suffered from at the time could be 
quieted, could be um, actually really settled out if I noticed the first ones. Now you see what this is, is that I had had hiccups for years that would rack my body. I would have hiccups day in and day out and they would happen all the time. The last thing I wanted to do was pay attention to my hiccups. You know, my body was kind of stressed out. I was a kind of especially stressed out PTSD kid, you know, and now I was in my late 20s, I suppose. And my body was just in these real tension patterns and I was easily triggered. And one of the ways that things got looped around inside of me was these hiccups and the tension that I would have in regarding in regards to these hiccups. Well, in learning about the felt sense and in learning about how to track the moment and notice things as they were happening, Suresha helped me to see that the very first beginning signal that the hiccups were coming on was an opportunity for me to pause whatever else I was doing, you know, all my other thoughts and expectations of what I was supposed to be doing, and instead pause right there and stop and just notice myself. And if I could, I could notice myself and slow down a little bit. And if I could do that, I could then see the second or third hiccup trying to come. And if I was able to kind of get in and watch things right there and not continue to press my reaction, I would actually be able to avoid the second or third hiccup even happening. Just the sense of it about to happen would come and then it wouldn't actually happen. And then if I continued to pay enough attention for enough time toward the side of just kind of like letting things be and not increasing my activation around things, my hiccups wouldn't get started and they wouldn't come and they wouldn't bother me all day. And that was amazing. That was amazing to learn that I could learn how to pay attention to myself in that way and that I could learn how to notice just, I was in a conversation, I got a hiccup and I could say to myself, oh, that's the signal to pay attention now. Or I could be walking down the street and have a hiccup and realize, oh, I need to not press this moment. I need to slow down. I need to feel inside. I just need to let things be themselves for a moment and not like continue to do whatever kind of pressure tension thing I was just unconsciously doing that was then going to lead into three or four hiccups in, there would be this loop that I would have a very hard time getting out of for sometimes days at a time. Well, that's a protecting the moment kind of thing. And there are lots of other ways that people practice learning how to do that. That's one that Suresha Hill taught me, like just to notice that first hiccup. And moving on from there, there's there's like, you know, you could notice flowers and say to yourself, oh, I'm going to stop when I see flowers and just kind of take in the moment. Or, you know, some people talk about hearing bells or when they hear a bell or the idea is that a bell becomes the trigger to stop and kind of reorient or pay attention now. Like heard that one from Joshua Silvey, the SE faculty and meditation teacher. Like he's got a nice thing. Like when you hear a, a bell, like that's just a little, little thing that can be a reminder to look around. I do a similar one with my iPhone has a little scrolly thing. Every once in a while when it's too slow to work, it'll kind of do this thing where it's kind of searching in a circle. 
And rather than look at that, I take that as a signal to orient and just kind of let myself see the world around me. And I've just made that a habit, just like my hiccup. Whenever I feel my first hiccup, I stop and relax. Whenever I see that little scrolly thing, I just stop and take a look around the room while that little scrolly thing's going to happen. Better than looking at it. Well, there are ways for us to see these signals, oh, I should pay attention now. There are some that are specialized, of course, sunsets. Hopefully you see the sunset and you say, at least this time, one time, I'm going to stop on the edge of the road and watch the sunset as it happens. Maybe we don't always get to do that. Most of the time we don't do that. Sometime we've got to do that just so that we can protect the moment. And then, of course, somatic cues, particularly those that are triggering, if we can protect the moment right around when those start up, sometimes we can get them to settle out rather than reinforce themselves. Well, I'm rambling. Let me get on to clinically relevant, right? Because there are things that, things that are more interesting to us as clinicians, as SE practitioners, things that are more interesting to us to try to protect, trying to kind of cultivate that attention, to pay attention now and just be with now. And some of those should be stated, you know, mostly to say it's probably the new thing. Maybe it's not always just that, but for a lot of us out there, the place that this is going to start, the place where it's going to, you know, be available is when your typical client who maybe doesn't feel like they have just a whole lot of progression happening right at the beginning when you start to notice little changes happening and the commentary or noticing of those differences probably deserve a little extra reflection on your part toward trying to protect the moment of that recognition or that statement of difference or that kind of increased attention toward that difference. So differences, stated differences, noticed differences, they you know, upon their availability and their arrival and their observation, it's a good place for us to lean into that a little bit to kind of say, oh, we're, we're curious about that, about holding the attention and the focus around that for a moment. But there are other places, lots of other places, right? Like when your client pauses, who knows? That's probably a good place for you to pause too, you know? Um, when, when you see increased signs of coherence, that's like a place to, for you to be more interested in trying to protect whatever it is that's causing that to happen. I remember learning about the therapeutic pulse in massage school, like, you know, 15 years ago or something. Okay, 14 years ago. And, you know, you put your hands under somebody and you let your hands rest and eventually you start feeling this pulse come through and it's really, really strong and the pulse being between your hands and their body and there's always this question is that my hand or is that their body and if you move your hand in any way you kind of disturb this it doesn't start right away it kind of grows over time and sometimes massage therapists call that a therapeutic pulse and you can't you, you can't just move your hand in there and create it nor can you shift your hand and keep it you have to kind of like let it grow from the communication that's happening between your hand and that person's body well in that way whatever is causing that pulse i'm not going to claim it here but whatever it is it's conditional and it requires that nobody else do anything else nobody else move it it feels special and it feels 
you know, on the edge of, you know, very, very therapeutic. And it's, it's fragile. It needs you not to want to do something else. So when you discover that, you pay attention to it. That's a little bit like increased coherence. There are other ways that we feel increased coherence when we're doing hands-on SE type work. And you see it, you feel it, you get wind of it. Things start kind of rolling or rocking together. And if you change things, well, you ask more questions. Well, you ask them to do something else. Well, you know, maybe you just want to protect that moment of that sense of increased coherence. Let it be itself and watch it for itself. Same with deactivation. You know, when deactivation finally starts happening, the person's like either just settling down from the last little bit of agitation or it's a true deactivation. I've been up. We've kind of gone through some amount of the stress response cues, whatever the phases are transitioning. I'm starting to deactivate. It's like this is not a time for anybody else's thoughts and expectations about what else is supposed to happen here, right? This is all about protecting that deactivation from being able to happen. No, protecting that deactivation to be able to happen without intrusion from other things. Okay, so when we see it, we're going to like probably strategize a little bit. How do I make sure that I, as the clinician, wanting more or less or whatever, like how do I make sure I don't disturb this so that we protect it as well as we can? But also how do I make sure, how do I kind of help the client's attention to be with this, with, um, you know, not making it any worse or more or whatever, just allowing it to do its own thing. Tricky, tricky, but there are other places, right? When we hear particular sincerity or congruence or authenticity, when a person's tone of voice lines up precisely with their words or their words kind of line up with the center of themselves and you can kind of see that they just they line up behind this comment, this purpose, when you see those things, that kind of congruent, ver you know, speaking and vocalization or like they, they become more sincere inside themselves, that's a perfect moment for you to be aware that that's what you're trying to do now. You're trying to protect the moment of being with that and not anything else that you thought was coming or thought you were on the way to. For now, this is like the hiccups. You got to be with this moment right here. Or this is like the sunset. This is the goods. You got to be with this moment right here. It goes in all those different directions, good and bad. But there are moments that you see increased sincerity. I got to be with this as it happens and try to protect the attention to this for as long as I can. Other places, when you hear curiosity, interest, wonder, particularly any increase in those, or wow, that's interesting, I really feel my arm like this, or wow, that's curious, I don't, I don't remember feeling this kind of thing before, or wow, that's amazing, like my head feels this way or that way. We're just trying to protect the moment. Of course, pain. You know, sometimes, of course, we're trying to get people's attention off of pain. And sometimes we're trying to help to balance out their attention with pain. Oh, you feel that more on the right side. Okay, well, if you feel it more more painful on the right side, does that mean the left side isn't as painful? Or does the left side feel the same or different in some way? You might be asking questions in order to help a person balance their attention so as not to just feel the pain. And yet, you know, if we're we're just kind of like driving people away from their pain could be clinically necessary, but it's it's not exactly the idea of helping things to move through and be felt and such. And when we find that that kind of magic congru 
convergence where a person's attention and the amount of their pain and the kind of the availability of the pendulation, the oscillation that's already there allows a person to kind of be with their pain. That's, that's one of these places where we, we kind of guard the moment, you know, we, we protect the present tense and we just say, yeah, it's painful. And as it's painful, and as you notice that, let's, um, let's, if it's not too much, if it's not too much to let that be there right now, we're just going to let that be there and we're going to see what happens next. Which, of course, leads to like any time that we see real, quote, process happening, you know, when things are being, quote, processed, you know, moving through, when emotions are coming through, when grief is coming through, when the sense of disgust is able to be felt and is kind of like got its trajectory from from the belly and it's moving up the, the viscera, moving up the esophagus tract, moving up into the mouth, the lips, the the upper lip lifting up toward the nose, the nose kind of scrunching down, trying to close the nasal passage, you know, and the tongue and wanting to reach out. As we watch all of that move from one step, one link in that sequence to the next, we need to protect the moment. It can't be intruded upon by what else is supposed to happen or what's not supposed to happen or, or you know, other thoughts or expectations that could be influencing what we are able to simply be with as this, sure, this unpleasant thing happens as it comes forward and comes next. Now, if that balance isn't there, it's not going to happen. You know, there's going to be some kind of struggle with it, and we're going to try to move away from this experience as it happens. And that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, you're, you're trying to get as much of this participation. You want to see as much of the sunset as you can. But hey, Sometimes you're driving over the Richmond Bridge, and there's a beautiful sunset over there, and there's just no way you're going to slow down. You're only going to see a little bit of the sunset against the skyline, and that's just it. You don't get to watch all the colors because you're in traffic. You can't always get all of the feeling state and all of the appreciation and all of the participation with the present tense that you might imagine you hope for. You're just going to do the best you can. Okay, so there's a list of clinically relevant places. That list must continue. You know, process and pain. When you see increased curiosity or authenticity or deactivations coming on, there's increased coherence or they pause or they've expressed some increased differentiation. They, they notice something, you know, like you, you feel it in yourself. Something in the air changes. Your hair stands on end and you say, pay attention now. And... When you have that thing, that thing, whatever that thing is that comes forward and you feel or you see or you sense or you know that this is what I need them to pay attention to, there's, a, there's just a tremendous variety of ways that you can encourage this paying attention to the moment, this not breaking the moment to the next thing, this not intruding upon this, but instead participating with this. You know, and it, it goes all the way from... You lean in with your your body a little bit. You express curiosity with your face. You you get more serious. You you say really. You kind of you drop your pacing. You change your timing. You you change something and you make it noticeable so that they have to pay attention to you so that you can feed back to them, or you you model your own 
kind of pause or attention, you turn your attention inside and feel for yourself in a way that might encourage them to do the same thing. Or you name it, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say, did you just say that you, that you notice things are quieter? I mean, can, you can notice that right now. You know, you can, you can name it. You can, you can steer their attention back into it. You can direct into it. You just be like, you know, I'm just going to ask you, can you, can you just pause and feel that right now? It's not something that I do very often, but it, it can be done and it is done and you're free to do it. You just got, you can name it. You can question it. That's probably more what I would do. I'd be more curious and kind of drive the curiosity back around on itself until it became a kind of a classic directed question. Can you let yourself notice that now? Yeah. There's this kind of, you know, there's a lot of cultivation and um, whatnot that you're going to do in order to get, how do I turn this person's attention into the present moment? And, and, and really, maybe, maybe I could even give more here than I'm going to, but I'm not going to be exhaustive. But I will, I will try to kind of give a protection for something. And that is the the fear that I could have, that, that we could have, that you could share with me, that we could actually, we could, we could almost like try to get too much out of these moments of paying attention to the present tense. You know, once, once you turn your attention into it and, and you're watching the sunset, if it doesn't become interesting for the person that you're encouraging to watch the sunset, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to tell them over and over, pay attention to the sunset. You're going to, you're going to tell them over and over, oh, this should be interesting to you. You know, it's like if you offer once or twice to pay attention to like a sunset that's grabbing your attention that says, this is something we should pay attention to. And the person you're with isn't able to kind of go with you by the second or third time, you know, you probably, you probably just try to give up. You know, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you fight with it. Maybe you struggle with it. Maybe you're more skillful. Maybe you see that a little bit more coaching is just all that's necessary. This to say, if there's something that really deserves the attention to the present tense, if it's going to be really integrated, if it's going to be really attended to, the invitation to pay attention to it, it has to be at least acceptable and, and useful and, and workable. Like you have to be able to call attention to it and have it work. Like the person has to turn their attention to that thing and say, oh, this is, this becomes interesting without too much effort. If that doesn't happen, then something else is going to happen. And it's not going to be cherishing and participating with the present tense. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to like, you know, insist, no, no, pay attention now. No, no, feel now when you can tell that the person that you're working with isn't going to do that. When they're not going to do that, you can pretty much let it go and, and work on other things that need to come into play for a person to be able to slow down and turn their attention to something as it happens that they don't even really know what it is that's happening. Meaning, like, you don't know what colors are going to come out in the sunset and you don't know where the bird's going to fly. And when you're having a somatic experience, you don't know what's going to happen next. You have to be there and, and curious and participating with it as it happens for it to develop itself. In that way, 
you know, um, protect the present moment as much as you can, but don't don't ruin what you what you can get out of it by hoping to get more when you can't. You know, you you make the invitation, and maybe you make it even stronger than you might want sometimes. But if they if they can't pick up on it at a certain ease with a certain okay, I'll pay attention to that now, then really trying to drive into it isn't going to get a whole lot more participation, at least in my experience. I think that you'd be better off to do something else and let that moment just pass. That one was going to pass anyway. And join instead with the fact that they're interested in talking about or looking at other things and try to tap on those those felt sense experiences um, more in passing for a little while until a person's willing and able to pause their other thoughts and expectations about what else they should be paying attention to so that they can then instead pay attention to just this moment. So this moment's important, but it's it's probably not going to fix them all the way. <laughs> you know, it's not like the magic moment that's going to change their lives. So you can you can be free to not think of it as so profound that you have to wrestle with a person's attention in order to get them to pay attention to it. Um, that said, sometimes, and, and some people out there know, that there are specific things that you will be invited to pay attention to that will, in fact, change your life. And the guarding of those moments and even the explicit direction to pay attention to those moments, those are important for practitioners to get clear and clean on because they they really will happen. And like I can think of one that's in my stories of completion. It's it's kind of a climax and I so I shouldn't spoil it. But some of you have seen that and there's a moment where where Steve just says to me, he says, feel the bullet. And there's there's a direct direct comment from him right in that moment for me to feel the sense of a an imaginary bullet that I had been worried about for so many years finally hitting me and just the sense of paying attention to that moment of that fear was kind of a life-changing kind of thing and if we had moved on with the story or if I had moved into some other expectation about how I was supposed to feel about that fear rather than simply feeling it in the moment for what it was, I don't think it would have had that transformational impact. And I don't think if Steve hadn't been willing to kind of name that moment and protected us from any other question or intrusion, I don't think it would have had that lasting influence. So there is this way that we will name specific times, pay attention right now. And, you know, you don't have to be going for that when it's not really what it is. Most present moment felt sense experiences are just like the sunset. They're going to pass and there's going to be another one tomorrow. It's not the one that's going to change their life. So there's no need to struggle with folks who aren't ready to feel that. Okay, then that's a thought. You are a guardian, a guardian of the moment, a protector of the present tense. You're trying to help find inside of your sessions these moments that if a person, your client, can 
put aside their other thoughts and expectations about what they're supposed to be feeling or experiencing right now, but instead can just help take a kind of a space out from other concerns and just pay attention to the experience of right now, whether it be increased pause or a increased sense of coherence or deactivation or relief or sincerity, curiosity or interest or wonder or even the allowance for pain as it changes or the the changing of things in general, the sense of process of things moving through. You're trying to find how can I protect this moment from happening and you don't want to do that at the sense of refusing all else because most of your clients in fact won't gather their attention for that long on those things for some time to come. At the same time, you are very interested, I would say. We're very interested in learning how to see those moments and how to stretch them out just that much more. And a great way to do that is in your own life with all those places that it happens on a daily basis. Like the next time you're having a really great meal, just enjoy that. Okay. I hope you're all taking good care out there. Bye-bye now. Here's a quick tracking twig moment to tell you about one of my most important resources that I've created for folks like yourself. It's my unofficial guide to the SE language. It's available at liberationispossible.org. And, you know, this is probably the strongest thing that I've created for SE practitioners and people like yourself studying the how to communicate with clients in this kind of SE style. And it's also probably the number one way that you can support my work as there's a associated fee with this. You can find it at liberationispossible.org right there on the main page. There's a link to it or in the menu under therapist resources. It might be something worth checking out. Might be interested. Okay. Take care. Bye now.